This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, social media sock puppets are being used by millions of people around the world. Social media expert Jesse Miller explores how these sock puppet fake accounts can have a big impact online. Jesse takes a look at Lush's decision to ditch social media as well and how it might just be a brilliant and character-appropriate marketing move. Storms are pummeling Canada. On the West Coast, Handy Andy Barrard gives us his useful DIY tax to clean up the gutters. He also has a problem with moss on his roof, so he's got to work with that too. And who doesn't have a problem with leaves at some point? Plus, why doesn't anybody promote Black Friday deals? Plus, why doesn't he promote Black Friday deals? Well, we find out. Are you okay with phone calls from your pet and more, like getting stuck in a bar for three days? That would be terrible. On the Chef Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay? Scott, do you have any pets? Uh, Not currently. Uh, We're entertaining the idea of getting another dog soon, though. Nice. Yeah, dog guy. Are you okay with phone calls? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, it, for me, it's a hierarchy of our, our new, our new world. Um, text messages, I guess, is semi-emergency. Um, any of the communication apps is just casual conversation and phone calls has to be an extreme emergency. Otherwise, don't call me at all. That's this is, uh, this oh. is, this is Brennan Kelly. When it, wow. This is Brennan Kelly. You ready for it? Uh-oh. What? People. It's true. Yeah, no. If my phone rings yeah. and I don't recognize the number, I just let it ring. I'll no, be like, I agree. if it's important enough, no. it's voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. uh, Scott, phone calls, yeah or nay? Good for them? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm with Brendan. If you, before you call me, ask yourself, could this be a text message? Hmm. Hmm. You know what I've come, Brian, what about you? Yeah, I hate texting. I, I, if I have a question for you and I need the answer immediately, I'm gonna call. And okay. I just, it's just, I understand the the hesitation. This is why we had S. Bear Bergman on. Phone calls are good. It's good to make a phone call. It's I nice agree. to have the conversation. Yeah. I think I kind of definitely picked that up from my dad, though. So I, I yeah. don't know. I think it's a little biased, though. Maybe. I, I, my buddy Daryl, if I text him, hey, bud, what you up to? The phone will ring two seconds later. He'll call you back, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's good for those little sort of feelers, tossing out the feelers. But I'll always tell you that a phone call is, is the best thing over a text message, especially when it's a heavy topic or it's to your partner about something that matters. As soon as you write it and you're like, Meh, and you try to rewrite it, you delete it, you phone the person. I think that's a pretty safe rule. Now, some of us get anxiety about making phone calls. We've talked about that here on The Shift. But a call from your loved ones or to your loved ones, they can make their day. Hi, Grandma. How are you? Right? Now, dogs are absolutely our loved ones. I would like to note that Ryan left cats out of this conversation, probably on purpose. (laughs) Uh, Well, because cats, actually. That's why. Yeah. Um, But should you start taking calls from your pets, your dogs? Researchers are working on ways to make that very strange, but kind of cool, idea a reality. Here is more from my crush, CNN's Jeannie Moose. No, 
Oh, it doesn't look anything like a human phone. It's a softball with a technology device on the inside of it. Actually buried inside a tennis ball within the ball. When Ileana Hersky Douglas's dog, Zach, moved the ball, it triggered the nearby dog height laptop to ring. Zach's owner answered the call and the two would end up face to face with audio and video if he didn't ignore her. During a 16-day experiment, Zach the Lab called often. It was about five times a day. And when he didn't call... He wouldn't ring me through the day and I'd be thinking, oh, he usually rings me at this time. Commercial companies like Pet Chats have tried combining remotely operated treat dispensers with a paw call that sends the owner a text alert. But no one really knows if pets are intentionally calling their owners. That is evidence of how insecure we are as humans. When people are hurt, their feelings are hurt because their dog left them on red. That's how insecure uh, we are as people. Wow. It's a little, uh, I uh, no, that it, it's a dog. Look, I love dogs, but they're, they're, they're a dumb animal. I mean, you could treat, oh. you know, you could teach them amazing oh. things. Oh. Yeah, no, they're super you... smart. They're like as smart as dolphins. Still, being as smart as a dolphin is still pretty dumb compared <laughs> to our brains. Okay, that's what I'm uh, getting at here. Dogs have you followed the story about COVID things. in this world and people's yeah. behavior? You sure yeah. you want to take oh, that back? Actually, yeah. Okay, yeah. You you raise a you raise a great point there. But I you know I, what? I, there's no way this dog is going. I think it's time to call mom. Like, no one has neat. I love. No it, one's gone but, and put. No one's put arrows on the uh, on the pool floor so the dolphins can find their food safely. Yeah, dolphins like shouldn't have on the grocery it, store it, floor. Just dolphins shouldn't be in a pool. Let's just say. Right. Let's yeah. just be clear yeah, on that. Let's be, let's be clear <laughs> there. We have some continuity things that we need. Some legal continuity here. We have to throw out there. Um, okay, so they don't know if this dog in the story was a casual link between the ball and making the calls and stuff like that because you know they can't read his mind, and it seemed accidental at times, unintended on his part. But however, there was occasions when the he's definitely interested in what he was seeing. And look, yeah, my parents' dog watches TV all the time. She loves CSI, and every time there's a dog on the screen, she loses her mind. <laughs> And they say dogs can't watch TV. I call BS on that because my mom's dog, man, she is like focused on watching TV. Now, I love watching probably dogs a, watch TV. Well, there's probably a psychologist somewhere that says the dog sees you staring at the wall and probably sits there and copies you. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. I like dogs and TVs. All right. I uh, Those ones where you have to give your dog a treat. From it, like you hit the thing in the app and it kicks out the treat for the dog. I mean, that's just an invite. That that should just be a reminder of go home and see your dog. That's <laughs> what it should be. But <laughs> yeah, are you okay, uh, Ryan? You should probably do this one in your Irish accent. In my Irish, oh, I, I mean, yeah, I could do it in the Irish accent. Okay. Would you? Would you for us? Yeah. Would you mind? Uh, it's funny because when I read this, my first instinct is actually more of like a Cockney British. Uh, oh, but okay. Okay, well, that's yeah, cool. You right. can go there. That's cool. Now I don't know how to do it because I thought about it too much. Hold on. Let me reset my brain here. <laughs> it just has to come out. Like, you just got to, like, right. say it. Like, right. okay, Ryan, so it's okay. not. All right, I'm ready. Hey, Ryan, we're in England, so uh, why don't you read this? Now I went back to Ireland. How are you okay oh. with pubs? How are you okay with, with the... pubs, me lads? <laughs> 
don't know. I like dingy pubs. Give yeah. me a pub that yeah. is old. If you give me one that is perfectly groomed with perfect walls and the pictures and all of that, like you see in this in a strip mall pub today, ooh, ooh. like you give me that, that's all perfect. Yeah. No way, Maybe. man. Not I want dingy. I want the floor to squeak when I walk over it. If I'm going yes. to a pub, I want it to be like that. Yeah, I also Absolutely. like really like pubs that are mostly, if not almost, completely empty where there's not like no one. <laughs> I'd prefer that. <laughs> yeah, quick surprise. Uh oh, what people? <laughs> That's uh, yeah. yeah. I love pubs that have crazy names like the Wandering Mare. Or the that's broken good. chalice. I love like that's See, how you that's know it's cool. got character. Yeah, a pub's got to have character. That's what makes it a pub. Mm, fair enough. All right, loving the pubs is easy. Who doesn't love a local pint at your pub? Even if you're not even a drinker, a pub is a great place to meet, share stories. All of the world's problems are solved sometime at a pub. But would you try to be at one twenty four seven for three days in a row? That actually happened to 50 pub patrons in the UK who went to see an Oasis cover band. Oh, no. Oh, oh. The, story, the story gets thicker. Patrons and staff at the Tan Hill Inn in Yorkshire, England, showed up at the venue Friday for a few hours of drinks and songs from the cover band, Noasis. Very good. <laughs> Clever. Yeah, it's not bad. I'll name. give him credit for that. Name, for sure. Yeah. In that time, however, a mighty snowstorm. Ah, a mighty snowstorm. Blew through the area, blocking all of the pub's exits with ex- approximately approximately three feet of snow. Little did they know they'd end up spending their entire weekend snowed in at the pub with no one coming to save them for three days. And yes, they were stuck with the band. Imagine hearing this for three days straight. No. 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 You have to hear this at every campfire you go to. I don't want to hear this at every pub I go to now. Right. Incredibly, the patrons seem to love the experience. The pub's owners spoke with GBN News while they were still stuck in a pub over the weekend. Yeah, everyone's doing really well. Um, everyone's uh, getting on together, uh, sharing, helping each other. Um, and it has been really lovely. It's been a lovely experience. It's been like um, a party with friends. Everyone's got to know each other really well. And they're just, yeah, it's just been really good. And it was um, a shame to say that yesterday after watching the news for the um, effects of the storm. But together here, it's been a positive effect because it's brought people together. People have got to become friends, exchanging phone numbers, swapping Facebook posts and things. So it's been really positive. So here is the crossroads for me. If you're stuck in a pub for three days, at what point does the drink and the food get discounted in price? Because if you're there and you can't leave, do the owners still charge full price on everything? Because you can't make it free. But uh, do you do you just add a discount because hey, by the way, you gotta eat. Now you're stuck here. But if they keep drinking their faces off, what do you do in that case? Ah, oh, that's tough. I think if you were the business owner in that case, it would be like, hey, you know, if if this hadn't have happened, we would have a whole nother set of customers. So we have to make our money. So how about this? We need you to pay for dinner. We'll cover your lunch 
and we'll give you a, a simple breakfast. Like I, I think you'd want to try to find a little happy medium there, but that's that's tough. That's yeah. a tough situation. I think I think they got it as soon like as soon as you can't leave, I think that's when you have to start getting some sort of discount. Like the yeah. food is free, but you pay for the booze. Because what else are you going to do other than drink? You're just going to drink the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, interesting. I mean, I don't even drink, but if I heard a like Wonderwall, like for the fiftieth time, I'd be you know, like, I'd be <laughs> racking up a huge tab at that point just to, to make yeah. it. Through. Well, isn't that also incentive to do that? So the guests cozied up around the pub's large fireplace, played trivia, watched movies like Mamma Mia in Greece, interesting, and unsurprisingly, sang a whole bunch of karaoke with Noasis. The other fifty managed to ride it out until. Uh, they were finally given the go-ahead to go home on Monday night. This text from Trucker Dan says, If I ever get locked in a pub, I have nothing but Guinness pickled eggs and hot rods. Don't look for me. It's a very good point. Amen. <laughs> this sounds amazing, by the way. This sounds like mm-hmm. such a cool story. Like I feel like all these people have made a real bond with each other. This is, I swear, HBO or Disney Plus are already hiring like Mark Webb or someone to write and direct an indie movie about two people falling in love because they got trapped in a pub over a Snowden weekend. This is already oh, it's going to be and, the next love, actually. And no Oasis is going to play the wedding. Yeah, yeah. This oh, is actually the terrible. movie that's going to reunite the real Oasis fully forever. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Let's just squeeze in one more here. We got to be quick. Are you okay? Are you okay with cycling? Makes me tired. No. Yeah, it makes me, I like scootering. I'm a scooter guy. We know that. Uh, I'm all right. I'll cycle every once in a while. Not not as much as some of the people around here who are just like obsessed with it to the point. You where randomly run half miles for half, no reason. Half miles, no more than half miles, man. I'm half marathons. Oh, that's you like run like oh, that's what I said, right? That, yeah, yeah. that was dumb of me. That's what my brain thought that that was a half marathon was a half mile. Yeah. Maybe that's a half mile Big for difference. me. But let's be honest, a workout is coming upstairs. <sighs> Many Canadians love to hit the bike in round town in Ottawa. It's amazing how popular cycling is, and west of Calgary on the worst skinny roads too. By the way, uh, hitting the town of the bikes even in their winter, even in the winter, some of us are pretty relaxed and casual about it. Others make it a way of life. There's a guy in New York that likes to remind people to pay attention when they're walking in the bike lane. Oh, how dare you? He likes to scare them. I guess we don't look. A phone is way more important than paying attention. Smartphones make people dumb. Yep. <laughs> Had she crossed, would have been avoided. Now, I find this incredibly uh, hypocritical for the amount of times that bikes have swerved in and out of traffic with the car. Um, you know, be beyond reproach, my friend. New Zealand Member of Parliament J- Julianne Genter, Genter got on her bicycle early Sunday and headed to the hospital while in labor. Now that's committed. Here's more from WION. Then an hour later, she successfully delivered the baby. And interestingly, this is not the first time that she has done this. She happens to be a bicycle enthusiast. She also biked in the ho- to the hospital in 2018 to give birth to her first child. Following her successful delivery, the Greens politician wrote on Facebook that the newest member of her family was welcomed at 3.04 a.m. local time. She further said her contractions were not bad, 
when she left her home, but it became pretty intense by the time she reached the hospital. It's incentive to hurry, isn't it? My wow. goodness. She's got a healthy baby. Now that's commitment, right? That's yeah. commitment, my friends. This is the Shift Podcast. Geopolitics is always hard to follow. This country and that country and this product and that product. Ay, ay, ay. Well, in Canada, we've seen an awful lot with uh, the old wheat board, for example. We see a lot of it in Canada when it comes to our internal strife, even around things like syrup, strangely enough, which is in the news again, where certain uh, providers, farmers, whatever, have to sell to a board. They don't get to take their stuff to market. In India, there was a story that is over a year old that is very similar, eerily similar, where the government wanted the farmers to deliver the product to the board, not to deliver the product to market. And those farmers protested and protested and family members and cultural allies around the world protested, basically saying that we're managing a living now, we cannot if we do this. And a few weeks ago, the government changed their mind. They decided to allow the farmers to sell to market and to backtrack on this plan of this board. I am very, very much oversimplifying that. But in its essence, it happened. Now, what's come out of that since is the exposure of the manipulation, the propaganda and the marketing by different organizations on social media. So as you and I may have watched this event unfold from halfway around the world, it's possible the information we were seeing as personalized true stories wasn't accurate. And it's called sock puppets. Sock puppets, social accounts, marketing and propaganda. And to help us understand part of the story, Jesse Miller from Mediated Reality, social media expert, I thought it would seem appropriate, Jesse, to just get this on the radio because sock puppet social accounts are real people with fake accounts organized, uh, cranking out the propaganda and the agenda. And we could translate this topic off of uh, India's farmers and we could translate it into international politics, elections, COVID vaccines, and many more things. Sock puppet socials. Is it a thing? Oh, it's a huge thing. Um, I don't think people understand how interactive and, and perverse it can be in some of the everyday brands that they, they follow online, um, especially when it comes to marketing. Um, but within the geopolitics of it, oh, yeah, like, like there isn't a, a campaign manager that doesn't have 20, 30 accounts kind of ready to go that are, that are pro whatever they're trying to position. Uh, I think they wouldn't actually be doing their job very well if they didn't have sock puppet accounts ready to go. Um, there, there are two things I, I want listeners to keep in mind here. There, there are actually good uses for online identities that are attached to other things. I mean, it's just one of those things of being anonymous online, or if you want to be an individual to position an opinion, but you feel retribution, that it can be seen as a sock puppet account or an alt account. 
But um, in our, our world of, of, of capitalism, um, you can see businesses that will use a sock puppet account to try and change a, uh, a Wikipedia edit. Uh, they will use sock puppet accounts to try and inflate a brand. And there are companies out there that actually make a lot of money by having multiple uh, uh, hundreds of sock puppet accounts ready to go to make something that is new seem cool and trendy by having people who don't even know what they're following uh, amplify it. Now, it's a fine line between having your comment section and product reviews being really good because your customers like them and hiring people to come into your world to create those accounts and review your products and say it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And some people would say that's just good marketing. Some would say it's disingenuous. And now in this particular case, these sock puppet accounts, real people with a whole bunch of fake accounts were spreading government misinformation against the farmers uh, in particular. That's what the reports have said. And so it doesn't even matter even if that's accurate because we know it to be true. If you look mm-hmm. at everything to do with elections, it's there. How in the world do we cut through all that, Jesse? Is this one of those times where we just pull the plug, just be done with it all? (laughs) No, I I think in certain circumstances, you actually have to go to the people who are most affected. So for me as an outsider looking in into the Indian farmer crisis, um, what do I know? Well, I I, I can tell you what I know based on reading the story or following along. But the thing that I know most of is people from those communities who have taught me. And so if I know that, Uh, in Punjab, where the majority of farmers are. Uh, I know that the majority are Sikh. And I know that India has a a Hindu-leaning president. Then I know enough about the geopolitics of the country to know that some of this is going to be attached to aspects of geopolitics and concerns within the issues that have plagued India for decades. But where do I learn that from? From people in those communities who have taught me. And, and that's where I have to be prepared to go further than what's available on the internet to get the person's opinion from a language that I don't understand to, you know, to, to, to learn. It's just the way things are. Now, in that, um, if I only followed news media, I'd be limiting myself based on my media of choice, right? So if I subscribe to Fox, I'm going to get Fox bias. Mm-hmm. If I subscribe to CNN, I'm getting CNN bias, just the way it works. So within that, how do I benefit? Well, I benefit from finding diverse sources of information. I benefit from going further than the internet. But sock puppetry means anybody's prone. It doesn't really matter the topic. As you mentioned in the intro, we, we're talking about it because of an international issue, but it can be attached to anything. But the thing is, is that in traditional marketing, when you have at the bottom of the screen, actors reading, you know, actual testimonials or a, you know, paid testimonial provided based on somebody giving the testimonial because they got the product for free. There are parts of that that are going into media literacies within marketing that are traditional in that space. Mm -hmm. Social media does not get regulated the same way as a commercial where it says paid actor at the bottom of the screen. So one of the cool things that came out of it was... If you don't have access to a farmer in India, um, you might have access to a community or family member in Canada, say, down the road. Um, Now, because of the real story was getting shared through the community and through the family members, this is where the... um, the comparison came from what the government story was. Wait a second, they're talking about this? 
Now, the media gets sucked into it as well because the media often doesn't have the resources to investigate every single lead, right? And the media does watch interaction online. So it's not necessarily fake news by any means when they uh, say, well, wait a second, where there's smoke, there's fire. And they go talk to the government and say, well, why is this so good for the government? And then the government responds, right? It's kind of like just getting sucked in more than it is fake news and Um, We saw the rebellion of the farmers because of the people talking to the people. This is wild, though. It really is quite wild. And it's which is funny for the social media expert to saying, just go talk to the people. I love this. Um, But um, but it's quite wild, Jesse. Like there's there's no way we're going to cut through this, man, because we can't um, vet and verify Every single thing that possibly comes our way, we're getting hit with the messages, the marketing, the all the time. Yeah, but I mean, that's where you have to also pick and choose what you want to what you want to learn about and the way that you want to engage in something. And so if you can't rely on a community that's at your disposal, then you know you have to actually use the medium of social media to connect. I mean, I try and diversify as much of my social media network especially in, in, a, in a metropolitan environment like Vancouver, where I can benefit from a number of voices that not only can take the messaging that I might not understand because of language hindrance and, and show me more than maybe, um, maybe I'd normally see. And so if I only subscribe to the, to the media newspaper or the media radio station or the television station, then that would be my silo of information. That would be my preference. But I also choose to actively engage with the people who are invested in the stories, not necessarily from the journalistic piece, but just the idea of getting the story to lime to limelight. So within that, there are individuals who are more inclined in, in Canadian media to follow international stories because there is a, a specific care um, that they have, whether it be ethnicity, whether it be about language, whether it be a family. So sometimes you do have to find those individuals who are making something passionate, whether they're an influencer, whether they're a uh, advocate, or they're a journalist. And that's just part of the benefit of having the internet at your disposal. You can source out those people. It's not just your 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 weekly columnist that you can you can subscribe to um, and say, well, I guess that's the way things are. So so in that, I try my absolute best to continue to have a diverse network of individuals that I can learn from. But when it comes down to it, no, and not everything that they're going to say is gospel either. And I have to do my own diligence to make sure that the media literacy that I'm absorbing is something where I'm able to recognize the bias, whether it is something that is coming from a trusted source or not. And at the end of the day, to know where I'm being manipulated to believe something compared to choosing to believe something. Yeah. Well, all humans have bias. We actually carry bias and prejudice as an evaluation tool to make sure that we're safe. So uh, in today's world, we don't so use that so much when we're sneaking out of the cave to try and find some breakfast. We do it just in our everyday lives and often it works against us. We could all keep that in mind too, that everybody has bias. You think back in the day and you would think about grandpa Uh, or dad or mom that would read the newspaper and say, oh, do they read the sun? No, they only read the times because they like the times. Well, there again is another, as Jesse described, a silo of information. You're probably going to do better off if you read all the papers to get a clear perspective because humans always carry bias. So Jesse, I'm wondering when you talk to parents and when you talk to kids and in your social media, you know, forums and, and gatherings, what would you say is the number 
of how often from the people you deal with do people go through and filter, edit, clean up their following, the accounts they follow on social media? Is it very often? Is there a number to put there? Because I would say it's probably not every year or two even. It's, it's not It's not that people don't do it. I think people don't make a task list of it. And so, so I'm not leaving an event going, hey, you should go and audit who you, you know, learn from. But what I do hope that people do is that when they see an account that they say, why am I paying attention to this? That they make the active choice to continually be culling parts of that, that, that group of people that they chose to subscribe to, especially as, as topics evolve. Like I very much have benefited from seeing some of the people that I've followed for years evolve their conversation, especially when they turn around and say, you know, I saw this a certain way a couple of years ago, but I wasn't privy to some of the knowledge that's making me a better voice in this space today. Now, I'll give you an example. Last, last term, one of my students basically said that they learn everything that they need to from the, from the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, boy. And right off the bat, I said, well, you're obviously operating a silo. If you believe that you've learned everything of benefit from one podcast, whether it's Joe Rogan or not, you're unfortunately putting yourself behind the eight ball of opportunity to grow as a learner because you're basically saying this person's voice is the only one I will subscribe to. So whether it's a podcast that you get into a routine of listening to because you like that person or something where you're saying, you know what, I'm not even putting myself into uncomfortable situations because I'm not willing to listen to a different voice. That right there, it shows true growth, in my opinion. So I asked that student to review five other podcasts, part of their term as part of their project. And they came back and said, no, two of those podcasts really taught me something I had never even conceptualized. Mm. And so that is what you have to do as a learner. If you're willing to learn, go further than the Sun subscription or the Gazette subscription or the Times columnist, whatever paper you get, Mm. and Mm. see if periodically you can get information that might make you feel uncomfortable, wherever you stand on on the political spectrum. Which makes total sense. We've said that our whole lives. If you are concerned about a big decision about your health, Go to another doctor, get a second opinion. I mean, that's exactly the one thing that everybody says to do. What about getting off of it altogether? Because I learned, I got in this conversation because of my buddy, Koljeet Bombra. He told me um, about this conversation, about the Indian farmers, right? It mattered to him. So what I've seen in that is I've been able to watch him as he's grown and changed and took a real stand in that. Uh, Some people are choosing to get out altogether. And we've seen this even with companies today. Yeah. And, and I think there are people who are choosing to tag out now. Um, some companies are doing it for the marketing purposes of it. You know, if, if they're willing to lose some money and get some, some free advertising along the way, that, that is part of uh, an actual very good approach to kind of uh, stirring the pot. Uh, but what I would say right now is interesting is that majority of brands are going to stay very static on social media. They're not going to get away from it. But for people to choose and say, you know, I need a break, that's actually really good. It's a healthy thing to do, especially considering the amount of media we absorbed through the 21 months of the pandemic. Um, but realistically, no one's quitting social media as a whole. Uh, even even the CEO of Twitter who stepped down today, the, the ongoing joke was he'll be like everybody else who quits Twitter. Two weeks later, he'll be back on board. So- <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. We've seen Lush, the uh, body bath company, which Ryan loves their, their bath bombs. Um, you know, they walked away. They said, basically, we're going to come back to this social media thing when it's less toxic, which aligns with yeah. their marketing, actually, because they're all about natural products. Okay, so a couple of things with the Lush uh, statement. One, 
Okay, they've done this before in the UK where they kind of went quiet on their UK channels for the purpose of, of getting attention to this issue. I will 100% agree that if you sell a product that's designed around centering the mind, relaxing, putting a bath bomb into the tub and dark room and some candles, the last thing you should be doing is scrolling through your Instagram while doing mm -hmm. that. I mean, like you, you do want to be centering yourself. And that was the argument from the CEO. Like we sell a relaxation product, relax while using it. We don't need you checking and, and reviewing that the bath, bath bomb worked and post tagging us on Instagram, which is fair. But they didn't quit YouTube, right? They didn't, they didn't, they didn't stop marketing. They didn't stop making commercials. But what they've done is they've said, hey, our social media coordinator is going to take a break and we're not going to be putting out Snapchats or Instagram. They still have their Twitter. They still have their YouTube. And they're still going to be available for engaging with their customers via some social media platforms that they don't seem as toxic as the others. Now, that said, that, this is a very good example of that marketing opportunity because people will tag Lush and products and they will know that it's, it's happening. They're not quitting uh, using the products. They're just saying, hey, we're going dark on our channels and not saying anything for a while. Mm -hmm. Now, when brands do it to raise awareness around racial inequalities, you're celebrated, right? Um, when they do it as part of a, an alignment with a, an event, or they give a group takeover power of their account to get advertising uh, awareness to a group's issue, as opposed to trying to sell a product, the larger the brand, the more effective that way. So we see it on certain days, we see certain North American brands do that often, where they'll say, hey, there's a takeover going on today from this celebrity takeover yep. account, and it's part of the marketing. Lush isn't doing anything here except for taking advantage of a very good marketing opportunity to raise awareness about relaxing and using their products to relax. That's, that's my professional opinion about it. It's my consumer opinion about it. And it's very much in line with what I think a lot of brands are trying to do as they reinvent emerging out of the pandemic. That said, it's irresponsible for anybody to believe that a brand is saying, hey, we're not going to use a free medium to advertise our product, especially when the size of Lush. Yeah. And to get access to with uh, the growth of TikTok and the demographics of the target of a Lush user, that uh, sounds amazing. It's it's I always e equate that to the people who take the time to light a candle uh, during Earth Hour so they can get on their uh, precious minerals device and use the coal-fired electricity to post uh, their how peaceful and caring for the Earth they are. Um, this is what I like about you, Shane. You find the, the middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as a note, though, Lush did highlight that they do sell a lot of products to young people and that young people's mental health is impacted by social media as part of their tangent. Mm -hmm. um, if they actually went to good researchers in the UK, uh, researchers uh, like Amy Orban at the University of Cambridge, they would find that there's actually no correlation between Instagram's use of, of, of you know, promoting body uh, products and, and young minds because most of that research that kind of highlights that, you know, mental health impacts exist because of social media use is actually associated more to undiagnosed mental health. You know, these are survey-based questions that are presented to young people saying, hey, have you ever had a negative experience on social media? And, you know, nine out of 10 say yes. It doesn't mean that they didn't have pre-existing mental health concerns. It just means that nobody asked a question that would lead you to an answer. So when Lush turns around and says, hey, we're doing this for advocacy around young people, even, even the good data that's available is not being utilized. 
And that that is part of the problem too. If they're using uh, basically a scapegoat of mental health components to promote the fact that they're going dark, they're not actually doing this in the right way either. They probably have a better position to raise issues around undiagnosed mental health issues yeah. with their product than they do blaming social media. Yeah, the, even the conversation just access to kids, right? When we went to school, Jesse, the bully would leave you alone while you got went home, right? And then you had to deal with yeah. them back at school again. Well, now with social media, there's an access point all the time. And even that, that conversation itself seems to be an opportunity uh, to deal with mental health would be the access to each other, which is the boundary that we often forget about. Yeah. And I'm also going to go a step further and just say the access to a counseling department that cares about mental health. Like when you and I were in a counselor's office, it was grades, attendance, and what are you going to do after grade 12 rolls around? There was no sign saying, hey, let's do a brain check today. So within that too, just the question of how are you feeling? That was pretty much devoid in the counseling office when I was a kid, unless you were there for some kind of act of violence. Yeah, I would have probably failed that test. I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> Mine would just be, I'd never imposed this question. Yeah. So nobody's cared enough to ask. So. Mind blowing. Uh, Mediated Realities, the organization, uh, Jesse Miller goes into uh, communities and schools and businesses. And not only does he teach about it, but creates, uh, creates awareness too about all of these things around social media, the good that it can bring, and also some of the harm it brings too. Uh, it's great to see your face. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it as always. This is the Shift Podcast. You know, I remember when I was a a young man dreaming of a career in radio. I sat back and I closed my eyes and I imagined, I can't wait to have the kind of impact in this world that includes moss and your gutters. It's been a dream of mine for a long time, and in the land of DIY, it's time to welcome in Disco Andy so he can fulfill this dream for me. I'm here for you, Shane. Thanks, buddy. Handy Andy Barrar is here. Dreams do come true. They do. HandyAndyMedia.com, also known as Disco Andy and so many other things. Getting the groove on. Yeah, baby. This is Brother Johnson, if I remember correctly, the song? Correct. Wow. See, I, see, know I told you disco. it was natural. I told you it was a natural fit. Um, underrated, Brothers Johnson. Let's just talk about that for a second, because that is one of the groups that doesn't get included on all the compilation CDs back in the day that really brought disco back and uh, and didn't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, disco just doesn't get the credit that it deserves, you know? Remember that movement where disco sucks, where they had that big thing mm-hmm. at a baseball game where they were like... Yep burning all the disco like you know is it is disco music that bad that you have to burn it like it's just all the rockers you know they just couldn't handle it well and if they'd only realized that so many of the riffs came from blues funk and disco so anyway uh enough talk about music back to my dream my dream of moss and gutters Okay, for homeowners in uh, wet places, southern Ontario, uh, Niagara Peninsula, you know, and the West Coast, you know, leaves in the leaves in the gutters and moss from the roof, moss in the gutters. This is this is a deal, this is a real deal thing. Uh, it's not the same for everybody everywhere because here in Alberta, our leaves usually just blow away more than they fall, uh, and so. But it, but this is a big deal. It can really wreck your house. Well, Sean or Shane, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Got your name. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, here's what happened, Shane, is, um, you know, we've here on the West Coast have gone like atmospheric river after one after another. And so this has become like a big thing of my life the last week or two, because we've had so much rain that the ground has gotten so saturated that I don't even know if you know this, Shane, but some of it actually got into my foundation, got underneath my floor. The floor actually has a little bit of a bump. So I I was on emergency alert. I'm like, I have to make sure this does not happen again. So I've been fixing drain spout, downspouts, and also gutters. And so that's what we're going to talk about is DIY gutter cleaning. Should you do it yourself? Uh, in the, if you do, how do you do it the best way? Now, the first thing is, you know, some houses, you know, if you're two stories or three stories, you might want to get a professional if you have to go up really high. But if you do have the ability to get on your roof or you have a ladder that can get up high enough to your gutters, it is quite possible to do it yourself. And what you basically need, it's not much. You just need your typical gloves that you would use like, um, you know, for, for washing dishes. Those work really good because you're going to get wet. You also need like a bucket. And you can actually buy these gutter shovels that are designed to work right inside a gutter. And you can just scoop all that gunk out of the way to make sure that your drains and everything are clear of debris. And you should do this quite often, especially if you had a, a windstorm or you have pending rain coming. Um, it's just one of those things that when you do, you never regret it, Shane. I have been cleaning my gutters for, for nonstop the last couple of weeks. And every windstorm, I'm like, no, there, it, it, it might, it can't possibly be full. And I go up there and sure enough, there's like pine cones and all this debris inside there. So it really is something that we really need to do. And a lot of people don't do it until it's too late. And then you get that overflow. For example, my neighbor's gutters were overflowing. I, I noticed it the other day. So I went over and cleaned her gutters too because I was in like gutter cleaning mode. You know, like once Isn't you get that in that mode. Place? What's that? Oh, and Isn't my parents' your... place. No, oh, no, yeah. they're next door after that. So oh. <laughs> it's, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been cleaning gutters, Shane. So I feel like uh, it's something I really want to talk about. That and I removing so. moss on the roof yeah. as well. Yeah, and so, I mean, all jokes aside, um, you know, it's really important. And my parents go through this too because it happens with ice. If you don't go check your gutters, make sure that they're proper. Um, things do get plugged up and you've got to be super careful with all of it. Uh, there was water getting in my dad's basement because of a combination of two things. The gutters were uh, gummed up. And um, then at the same time, there was the overflow and it was getting inside the slab of the patio uh, through the foundation and, and around the window. So, you know, there it's not sexy. It's not sexy conversation, my dream. But it's an incredibly important conversation. You've got a video for this. You're going to post it. I actually post. I was. I did not post the cleaning gutter video because I was actually on my roof, and so I was like, I was tried to do it actually, Shane. I had one. I had my phone in one hand, and I have the scooper in the other hand, and I'm on the side of the roof, and I was like, this is not a good idea. I should probably put my phone down. Uh, so instead, kind of good example of safety. Yeah. Instead, I created a video on a little hack I have on to remove roof moss. Now, roof moss is something that's really common on roofs that get a lot of shade. It's, it, you know, I've tried so many ways to remove it. You can put what's called a zinc strip on the top of your roof. And what happens is when the rain hits it, it, it connects with that zinc and it's supposed to eliminate the moss. I did that years ago, Shane. It didn't really work. I still have moss on my roof. But one trick that I found, and I was doing this with my gutters as well. I didn't talk about this, but if you have a cordless blower, 
um, man, is it fun to use with your gutters? Cause you could just stick that into your gutter, turn it on and it just blows everything out. Super messy, but boy, does it work quickly. Um, and so if you have a blower, you could also, and you go to my website, handyandymedia.com or the shift Facebook group. I also posted it on there. Um, you can see this video of where I take this uh, blower and I go up to a little piece of moss and I just kind of like kick it with the top of the blower. And because of the blowing section, it just like shoots it kind of like those old, um, I don't know if you ever had a potato gun in back in the mm-hmm. day, you know, those little Love potato those. guns. It's kind of like that. So it, it, it's like gamifying getting rid of the moss on your roof because you're literally shooting it with this blower. And so it just starts flying everywhere. And um, the other day I was doing this and it turned into like a little video game where I would just like, like, pew, pew, shooting all these mosses oh, everywhere. Pew, pew. Yeah. I love it. This is fun. So, um, so gutter yeah, guards that's... has come up in a text message here by a couple of people get gutter guards. Now, gutter guards do work. They do quite well, except for, I mean, they still are a filter that does get yeah. plugged on the top. Not perhaps as easily, uh, but depending on how big your house is, I mean, that all adds up too. Yeah, so the gutter guards do work. There's another one that you could also get that I have. It's like a, it's like a little sponge that you would sh- that's shaped like the gutter, and you put it in there, and it's porous. So all the leaves sit on top, but the water can still get through. Even with those, you still have to clean the top part of it, and also where the water goes down into your downspout, you want to make sure you get one of those gutter cages, those little cages that actually prevent some of the debris from getting in there and clogging, like say a pine cone or something inside your downspout. So these are the kind of things that, you know, you really want to do. Even when it gets to the bottom of your downspout, you can get these little flexible uh, adapters where then you can direct the water because you really want to push it away from your foundation. And when it rains, and for anybody on the West Coast, we have another atmospheric river hitting tomorrow. It's a good idea when it's raining hard to, I know it's uncomfortable, but go outside your house, walk around and see where the water is building up. In fact, I recommend people take a video with their smartphone just so you understand where the low parts are in your home. So in the spring or in the summer, you can grab some sand and maybe level out your ground to make sure that water moves away. Because I'm telling you, Shane, if one thing I've learned from this past couple of weeks here on the West Coast is that it, it... you know, it rains a lot. And when that ground gets saturated, you can have a lot of problems. So you need to kind of like overproof your gutters, your downspouts, and make sure that water is going far and far away from your foundation to prevent any kind of problems in the future. It's good advice for everybody, whether you rent or you own, or you own if you if you have a house. I mean, it just it's a couple small steps to make things easier. Okay, so let's get this one quickly, Andy, so we don't run out of time. Black Friday, Cyber Monday can be um, tempting and there's sometimes good deals, sometimes bad deals. Now you do gadget reviews. Tell us your, your spot here on why cyber cyber Monday, black Friday deals don't get mixed into this. Cause we've been asked this question. Hey, there's so many good deals. Why doesn't Andy give us all the good deals? Yeah. So I struggle with this because typically most tech people at this time of year start talking about all these deals, but I've had a hard problem with this because I feel like everything is just rigged Shane on online. Because if you go to any of these websites and they tell you, Oh, here's the best deals. What they're not really telling you a lot of the times is they're getting commission for those links. And so they don't really tell you the best deals. They tell you typically the best deals that give them the most commission. So there are deals per se, but they're not really the ones that you 
want. And my thing and my position with technology is you buy tech when you need it. Don't buy it just because there's like, oh, it's $40 off. Maybe I should suddenly buy something. So I don't really want to pressure people to buy stuff they don't need with money they don't have. So I really want people to know that if you do need something like a laptop, it's a great time during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It's also a great time during back to school and during Christmas. But otherwise, don't spend your money on things you don't need just because there's some kind of sale out there. And that's why I, I took that hard choice to not really advertise this year any kind of these deals because one, I would have affiliate links and I would just feel dirty doing it, Shane. I just, God, I just couldn't do it. So I was like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to do it because, you know, it just doesn't feel right to me. And so I know all everybody else does it, but I'll, I'm like, I'm like hollow notes, you know. I can't go for that. No can do. I'm like, homie the clown, homie don't play that. I don't want to play this game. <laughs> I ain't doing it. Well, you know, and it is a good way. I think you could do it, Andy, but I think you have to just, dec I think you just have to stick to the order uh, and not stick to the order of the commission and, um, and, and post that. I think that that would be incredible integrity. And I, I'm just going to add to this quickly before we go to break that you have to understand when you see the top 10 air fryers, to buy in 2021 or for Christmas 2021, those top 10 are not in order typically in the best or most reliable. They are in order specifically in the order of the highest commissions to the lowest commissions so they get paid. HandyAndyMedia.com is his website. Uh, if you go to shiftheads.ca, you can connect with our Facebook group. Andy Barrar is here, and we're chatting about some online sellers. Now, Andy just shared his opinion about uh, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, and some of the uh, reviewers, uh, uh, air quotes, or as Chris Gilbert calls it, finger quotes, quote fingers. And um, and he, uh, you know, quite often the referrals you get are, are not really the best. They're just the highest paying. And so that's an important thing to know when you're looking up the top five lists, top ten lists of whatever gadget is you're looking for. And now some of them are legit, but you just can't really tell. Now, online selling in general is such a big thing more than ever, especially in pandemic times. And you never really know what you're going to get, Andy. No, you don't. And that's the scary part because, Shane, when we, when we have, um, you know, when we go to a store and you buy something, there is basically protections that you have that you know that they've gone through some type of of regulations to make sure that that is safe. For example, if you buy a toy, you know, the toys are designed so that you can't have small parts that kids could swallow. But the same thing does not happen online. These online marketplaces, and we're talking about Amazon, eBay, Wish. Wish has got to be like one of the worst out worst. there. Worst. Oh my God. And AliExpress. Like Wish is so bad. They're trying to ban it in France altogether because it is just like, you know those like counterfeit shops you would see back in the day? It's kind of like that, of just crap yeah. that they're trying to sell you. And because you don't have a chance to like, it's not tangible. You can't pick it up and look at it or check it out. You know, you just see this, this product page and then you buy it. And a lot of times the reviews on those are also fabricated where yeah. they, they tell people, oh, we'll give you a discount if you give us a five-star review. So a lot of people have to worry, especially the electronic devices that you buy on these online marketplaces 
because they're extremely risky. So we're talking about like, you know, extension cords that don't have like few proper fuses that would never be able to be sold in Canada. Yeah, in they're not CSA approved. Store. I was going to ask yes. you about that. The biggest concern to me would be those things that plug in the wall, light bulbs, all that stuff. What, what is that what you think would be the worst? And batteries as well. Anything that, okay. and we, we saw this a couple of years ago. Remember those hoverboards where everybody was buying hoverboards and they started blowing up? Yeah, they and did, yeah. those were because of the batteries weren't going through the proper checks and balances to get approved that, you know, something that you could buy in a brick and mortar store. But of course, you can go ahead and buy it on AliExpress or Wish. And so this was uh, and is a big issue, especially as we head into the holidays. And one thing that I want to warn people from buying is kids toys on these online marketplaces, because you just don't know how safe these are compared to um, other products that you could buy, say, at a Walmart, where you know that there's different types of processes that they'd have to go to to make sure that that product is safe. Um, so that's a big risk out there for online marketplaces, and especially as a lot of people are moving towards online shopping and trusting platforms like Amazon. You'd think that Amazon is doing a good job, but they're so big, they can't manage and monitor all of these things. Like I'm never buying rechargeable batteries on Amazon again, if it's not from Amazon, the Amazon basic, basic brand, because some of these third-party ones that I've, I've purchased, they die within a couple of charges. And then I go on there to complain and the company's not even listed there anymore. It's gone you know, now. They, they kicked them off. So yeah. And so problem. it does, it does get bad, and there's counterfeit stuff on there all the time. They disappear. I was looking for some BMW badging uh, for the car, and they, um, you know, those ones, you know, they're there, they're gone, and they're like B hyphen M hyphen W, and they're trying to be Cody so they don't get caught. Like it's it's really sneaky, sneaky stuff that's going on, and you you truly can't trust it at all. And you're right; those companies do disappear. It's a good reminder to shop local wherever you can, and convenience doesn't always work. Um, literally doesn't always work. So let's um, let's get on these some of these kids things here, Andy. Before we're done, we got to be quick about a minute. But can you get into these um, products and kids' social skills about not even talking to other kids? Well, because of the pandemic, Shane, you know you have a lot of toddlers that have been at home for two years, and when you're a toddler, that's like half your life. So a lot of the toy manufacturers are building these new types of toys to rebuild social skills for these kids. And one of the best examples is the Amazon Glow, which is a device where it actually has a camera where somebody else can talk to the to the child, but it portrays this this almost like a keyboard onto a surface where you can play different types of games. So you can imagine a grandparent playing cards with their, you know, their grandson or their granddaughter remotely using this type of device. And all of this is because they're trying to encourage social skills that a lot of these kids are lacking. And the big question is, do they have these types of, you know, social emotional skills, like the ability to interact with other kids, manage their feelings? Do they have those skills? Because a lot of kids have been stuck at home. And the question is, if these new types of toys, if they will actually work, but one thing is for sure, certain is having screen time with like the grandparents. That is actually a good idea. So a lot of people should definitely check that out. These new social toys that are coming out on the market today. Don't forget about the simple ones like a board game and uh, some cards. Pretty good for the kids. Andy Barrar, handyandymedia.com. Thanks, Andy. Glad you're here, bud. Great to see your face. My pleasure. Anytime. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.